Welcome to Crypto Talk Radio, the podcast for everyday investors like you. Visit us on the web at CryptoTalkRadio.net. And now, here's your host, Leister. Thank you for that, Bailey, and welcome everybody out there in Crypto Talk Radio found at CryptoTalkRadio.net. My name is Leister. I am your host. I have some interesting topics to discuss today. Number one, I have a desk. It's a very nice desk. It was a pain to install the MFR, the mother father, but it's a very nice desk. So I don't have everything set up. I've got the microphone staged and basic audio equipment because I'm trying to give you guys the best quality here at CryptoTalkRadio.net. I still have to figure out the monitors, still have to figure out the towers, still have to figure out the wiring. I've got a lot to do. So this is not by any means close to done. I got a lot to do, but I have a desk and that's progress. So I... I wanted to talk about a couple of things. I want to get the news out of the way quick today because a couple of topics came up today and I want to focus on them. Let's talk some numbers. I'm going to skip the transition because I want to get through this fairly quickly today. I'm looking at Coindesk.com and I look at Ethereum to start with and I zoom out on the month chart and as you can tell, stark red across the board headed down. As I said before, the rally wasn't going to last. A low of 1568, a high of 1625 over the last 24 hours is, I wouldn't say it's terrible, but certainly not where we wanted to be. We expected to be somewhere in the 1600s and we dipped down. We haven't breached the bottom resistance. I want to say the bottom resistance is somewhere about, what, 1550-ish? So we haven't breached the bottom resistance, but we were heading somewhere down. There was a lot of sell activity that happened. Some of which I'll briefly talk about. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with. There's a lot of sell activity going on. And then some of the sentiment things that came around from FOMC, which I'll briefly talk about, not spend too much time on. I'm going to surprise you with my next statement, though. I think, this is my opinion only, I think in terms of cryptocurrency overall, we're in a kind of a middling state. It's not crashing. It's not crapping. It's certainly not going up the way you want, but it's not crashing. It's not crapping. It's just in a middling state. It's it's simply that there's a lot of sell pressure right now, and there's a lot of buy rumor sell the news. So the news is coming out, and it's causing people to sell off because of what they think or what they believe. That's That's factually accurate. I still maintain being in this middling state positions us for a good run early in 2024. And I could absolutely get that wrong. And others may say I'm nuts, and that's great. Let's let time pass and see who gets it right and who's wrong. Because, you know, I don't look at Bollinger or RSI. I don't look at any of the metrics. It's more of sentiment. I look at the graph, certainly, but I, I look at more sentiment, the sentiment across cryptocurrency. And then I use that to kind of gauge where it looks like things are going. So if I see that there's way more red than green, well, that tells me there's way more sell pressure than buy. Now, Sell pressure in of itself can indicate, potentially, a bullish sentiment. You're wondering, how is that possible? Because there are people still out there. Unfortunately, it's not new money, but there are still people out there looking for discounts. They want to get in and buy more. They just don't want to pay the inflated prices. So there are people out there. There was a saying. And I believe it was Warren Buffett who once said, and I paraphrase, because I don't know the exact quote, but he once said, you know, when you go to the store, you're purposely looking for discounts and you shop with the mindset that you're going to go after a discount because you don't want to spend more than you should on something that you want. So why is it that in certain other situations, it freaks you out when the price goes down? And if you think of cryptocurrency, 
you've been conditioned largely by certain influencers who shall remain unnamed. You've been influenced to think that when cryptos are going down, that it's actually a bad thing. Here's my statement that's also going to shock you. It depends on the, the project itself. It depends on the devs behind it. It depends on the network. It depends on a lot of factors. Because there are tokens like a Saitama, for example, where them going down is actually a negative sign. It's not a bullish indicator or an opportunity unless you have the utmost of confidence and faith. Same with something like Baby Doge. Same with something like Dogecoin. Same with any other altcoin. Unless you just have this unrealistic, unreasonable level of faith and trust in a project for some reason, in their cases, that, that red certainly gives you kind of this eh, hesitancy. But is the same true of Bitcoin? When we saw Bitcoin go as high as 68 grand, are we truly saying that this 26 is a bad thing long term? Maybe. And if it is, as I've said, don't stay in it. You know, if it, if it gives you a wrong feeling, don't stay in it. Don't feel like you should have to. I am going to leave you, though, with a statement again. Why is it that with cryptocurrency, it's the inverse, that we don't, in certain cases, not all, but that we do not trust and go off of our, our gut instinct? Here's what we believe. Here's what we think. Here's what we want to have happen here for the positive trend. We want it to go up. I got a little bit distracted because that... Uh, person there was a little bit attractive that rhymes so let's go on some news here ethereum i was doing some trades the other day on ethereum i had to pay a bill and i was using ethereum because i love it when they offer the ability to pay something cryptocurrency so i need to pay it it's only like 40 bucks but i like doing it and i tried to do the transaction and it at first it squawked at me about the nonce the nonce in simple terms, is when you do transactions on whichever chains, there's sequential numbering. That's a nonce. And your transaction cannot go out of order. So it has to follow a certain sequence, and you have to make sure that your every transaction is following. So in other words, if you do a transaction at nonce 105, 105 must complete before nonce 106 can actually start. That's kind of the order of operations. That's how it keeps an orderly ledger of transactions for you. So when, when this throws an error, it says basically there's a already a pending nonce. Now I knew I had not done a transaction in like two weeks on this particular chain. It wasn't, there's no way that there's an open transaction. So it got me thinking, chances are something's wrong with the Ethereum chain, albeit briefly, and there truly was. But I figured, okay, I know how to get around it. I'll just bump the nonce one number in case there is a nonce in queue. I queue up another transaction and my wallet allows me to bump the nonce. Bump the nonce, transaction goes, it never hits the ledger, never hits the blockchain, never creates a transaction. Okay, well that's kind of strange. I tried this for multiple days, it took me hours to finally get to the point where the transaction actually cleared and it finally did actually clear, but it took hours. Ethereum was just not behaving. And as a result, all of the layer twos were also slow. So it wasn't like I could cheat and go with Matic or something else because all the layer twos were screwed. And it just so happened that Ethereum and layer twos is where the money that was immediately available happened to be. I could always have done a deposit done this, da, 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 to Litecoin or something. I didn't want to do it. I just said, fine, I'll just wait. You know, and I had to tell the vendor, you got to wait a little bit. I know you wanted this in an hour. You have to wait a little bit before I can get this thing solved. Not my fault. It ain't my fault. Like Silk Shocker. So 
people came out and they did some analysis and turns out that Binance, as in Binance.com, was doing some heavy, heavy transactions and this was happening yesterday, across yesterday, all through today, as I understand it. Now, I haven't done any transactions today. I can't speak to this. I share it because somebody may be in this and may be seeing or experiencing this, but apparently Binance was doing a large number of transactions on the Ethereum chain that were spiking the gas fees. Some very brilliant people on the development side did some digging and they found that Binance, whatever smart contract that they're using to do the transactions is just blatantly inefficient. It's not efficient in how it consumes gas. As a result, it's causing this unreasonable spike. Now remember, Ethereum went to proof of stake, which means we should not be seeing anywhere near the level of spike. It went from about 10 up to about 300, which is huge. So I, I can't speak directly to it because like I said, I haven't been on it today and don't plan to be. I share it because you may be somehow transacting and may run into some weird behavior on Ethereum or gas prices that you don't expect. I'm sharing that this may be a cause. I think something's going on. It'll pass whenever they finish doing what they're doing. But separately then to this Binance business, a number of whales were doing some major dumps and dropouts on the Ethereum side. To the, to, it was like close to $10 million across. And one of the whales in particular, apparently they just suck at trading, day trading, because they were doing a lot of day trading. And I guess just got frustrated and just started dumping out a whole bunch of assets like crazy. It was like, I want to say $500,000 worth of stuff. So you got this Binance business and then you got these whales that don't know how to do trades and all these other disruptions that are affecting the Ethereum chain. I know what you should be thinking. You should be thinking, how is it possible that Ethereum, one of the larger chains, can be so disrupted by this business? And the truth is, it's designed to work this way. It's designed for the flexibility of gas. It's designed for the flexibility of the miner activity, M-I-N-E-R. It's designed to be this, but it assumes there's an assumption that you're going to be efficient in how you make calls, efficient in how you make trades, that you're not going to be doing major dumps all over the place. It makes those assumptions. And so this is the reality of what you're dealing with. When That's why I say with cryptocurrency, don't yellow into it because you can't know if something that has completely nothing to do with you just completely trashes what it is that you're doing and there's nothing you can do about it except watch and, you know, maybe there's a situation where there's a price point and you're ready to sell and you want to boom, pull that trigger and sell right at that point because you're going to make major bank and then you can't because of this crap. Now, if you had it in an exchange, you can probably do the trade and be okay. However, if you leave it in your exchange, not your keys, not your coins, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Something to think about long term. SHIB and other altcoins are at risk potential risk, I shouldn't say full risk, potential risk of uh, going down. I, I don't want to say a crap out, but going down. The reason is because multiple people have done chart analysis and what they're seeing is the dollar, the United States dollar going up. So in terms of its value, its value to the international markets, the dollar going up in value might essentially poach from cryptocurrency in the sense that there may be less interest to put money into cryptocurrency versus what it was before. That's the dominant theory floating around. I can't say true or false. I'm saying this is the theory that people have. 
because of this recent announcement that the dollar is becoming a little bit more valuable, and if so true, then there may be less appetite to buy into cryptocurrency. I mentioned that you should look at the total market cap when looking at cryptocurrency because that's going to give you a good indicator about whether you're getting new money into it or if we're losing what we had. Remember, it was at $1.21 trillion and down to about $1.06 trillion as I record this. So we're still missing a lot of wealth just in the short period, and I'm not even referring to when it peaked during the bull period. So then the altcoins are going to be significantly more impacted than the main coins, just primarily because they are paired to these other ones. They're paired to Ethereum, they're paired to Polygon, and etc. So as these others go down, then you're going to expect that the altcoins go down. I don't think that's going to bode well with SHIB in particular, because of course people are waiting for SHIB to have some positive price movement fresh off the launch of Shibarium. But as I said on YouTube, it's important people manage hopium. It's important that you are patient and wait this out because it's going to take some time to get Shibarium to get any kind of traction. It's not going to happen immediately. It's not going to happen next day. I think certain influencers, I repeat this, I think certain influencers got people to believe that we were going to instantly see some positive price movement, which didn't make any sense because again, nothing. it doesn't do anything yet. It's there. You can transact on it, but it, you can stake on it but it doesn't do anything yet. The volume isn't there. In fact, the volume's actually down, significantly down. And there's not a lot of new projects on there. This is not the fault of Shitoshi. This is just the nature of what it is. It's gonna take some time. And it's possible that some of these project developers are waiting for the bull run because that's where they suspect that there's gonna be more opportunity on the Shibarium chain. Whereas you right now have all these other chains that you could build on. And there's no financial incentive at this point to build on Shibarium. This is my gut instinct. I have no evidence of anything. I'm just sharing what I believe to be the truth. The last I'll share, and this is really more for informational purposes, are really two parts. First, I like this one, but I don't know what it means. So the if you don't know that the House, so out here in our Congress, the House, there's a financial services committee in the House. And they've just recently approved legislature to limit the idea of a CBDC. Some people will hear what I just said and they'll jump for joy. And some people will hear what I just said and they'll be pissed off. I understand both of your opinions and you can feel the way you feel and it is what it is. And I'll share my thoughts here in a second, but just to kind of give a background here, what's going on. The problem isn't CBDCs themselves. The problem is surveillance, digital surveillance, a, lot, a lack of privacy, a loss of privacy. The idea that you're trying to take away the United States dollar. The idea that you're just trying to do it because other countries are jumping on the bandwagon. The idea that you're rushing into a thing, presumably just like you did with a shot in somebody's arm. That's what's driving this pushback against CBDCs. It's not the CBDC itself. And I do believe all of the government today would support it as an alternative or a way to optimize communication using existing fiat. So here's an example. Blockchain could be used as a means of communicating, documenting a ledger, because that's what it is. And you could use this presumably to support and enhance how information is handled from bank to bank. I'm not even talking just ACHs. I'm talking just reconciliation processes, which are a huge thing. Most companies that have to do reconciliation, they will literally shut down 
their accounting departments for a week or so to do reconciliation. Consider how that could optimize if you had blockchain technologies supporting some of this and you had smart contracts that could automate 80% of it, let's say. I'm just throwing numbers out there. So I think that really the big pushback is around the theory that there's going to be this digital surveillance and it'll taking away of people's rights. For me, my personal opinion, I am not a fan of trying to replace the U.S. dollar. I'm not a fan of trying to push towards plastic. I'm not a fan of trying to take away people's rights for to, to hold wealth in whatever form they choose. So if somebody wants to hold gold, let them. If somebody wants to hold paper dollars, let them. If somebody wants to use debit cards, let them. And I know that sounds kind of back in the, you know, but the reason for my adamant, you know, stance against it is less to do with the technologies I just described and more to do with the loss of rights inherent to them. Here's what I mean. Let's take a CBDC, right? Let's say that that's put in and they take away paper money. Well, that means that anybody in the government can literally seize your assets at the drop of a dime. If you have paper cash, that cannot be the case. If you have paper cash, they're going to have to hunt. They're going to have to find. You can have it anywhere you choose, and it'll be hard for them to track down every single bit of wealth you have. Right now, if you put it in banks, all it takes is one phone call, boom, they can freeze all your assets, which I think is their goal. Their goal is to have authority and control over your assets, whereas paper money took that away from them and it put it in your hands because it literally is in your hands. A lot of these stores and even hotels that are trying to say, well, we're debit cards only, do, 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 and they refuse to take paper money, all that's going to do is screw you. I, I actually went to a hotel just recently as I was doing this move, and one of them, the card reader, completely shut down. It just didn't work. So they couldn't half run the card, and what do they have to do? Fill out the paper form of an auth to run the card because they didn't even have a digital form. So not only did they went all in YOLO, literally, on the card reader strategy, no fallback plan with a digital form that would have been easy that I can just digitally sign. They didn't have that. No fallback plan for cash, which always works and never has an outage. No fallback plan at all except a piece of paper. So it's like, okay, all or none. That's not the that's not the cycle we should be in. That's not the future we should be supporting. And I'll say it because I know there's some senators that follow the show. I'll say it. If I ever, if I ever got any sort of government exposure, the first thing I would do is say, I want a bill that says, if you have a physical nexus and you do any transaction that involves, you know, a transfer of, of wealth of any kind, you are required to accept paper cash. You're required to accept it. You cannot refuse it. So if you're a hotel, yes, you need to build the framework for you to securely store your cash. You need to actually pay for some security. You need to do the things that you used to do. Yes, that's true. If you're a school and they want to pay for the school lunch on cash like they used to, yes, I want to see that that framework is put in place. No matter what, paper cash must always be accepted. You can accept cash and anything else you want, but you cannot refuse to take paper cash because it is legal tender and will always be legal tender. And I would try to figure out a way to codify that in such a way that it can never be reverted. Because the paper cash, that's how we get true liquidity throughout society. That's how we get people transacting at a more rapid pace. Because I'm sorry, I know some don't understand this, 
But there are people who cannot get a bank account. And no, the debit cards, the free debit cards, the green dots and all this garbage is not the right answer because in some cases, those are discriminated against. Those are rejected at certain places because they can't verify the identity of the person behind it. You can try, but then what do they do? Run your credit. No, you're, you're purposely excluding this segment of audience over here. Now, in most cases, you can walk into a bank, open up a bank account and get it. I remember, I'll tell the story because it relates to this bill. There was a time way back in the distant, you, you know, way back, I went to a credit union down in California and I wanted to get an account set up. It was, I wanted to, I purposely wanted a credit union because I was told credit unions are superior. Yeah. So I go in, I apply. They're like, yes, cool, no problem, but we can't give you a Visa debit card. Well, why not? Well, we ran your credit and do, 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 do. So all we can give you, and I'm, I'm pretty sure all the banks have stopped doing this, but I'm just telling the story of what it was. They gave me a debit card that was only usable at the ATM. So I literally could only use it at their ATM, literally there and any of the, you know, the credit union network. But I could only use it at the ATM to get cash out because they refused to give me a Visa debit card because they were running credit at the time that wasn't going to fly because of the situation. I Again, I believe banks have moved away from this, but my point is, in that situation, that, that was okay, given my age, because I could pay things with cash. So that everybody was accepting cash, except hotels but for the, and rental cars. But for the most part, I could do cash and I could do what I needed to do. It was a little painful, but I could make it work. Today, you can't rent a car cash. You can't hardly, I, I rented the one truck down there in Nevada and they took cash and that was great. And he was kind of shocked at me pulling out the stack, but it was, it was empowering. It was great. It was fun, easy. Then I read a truck up here. They refused to take cash. It's the same thing. So because of the way the banks, it's like iffy there, you can't even rely on this because we can't rely on a consistent ability to do. And then don't get me started on check systems and all these other things designed to discriminate against you being able to get this account that everybody's forcing upon you. So what's your only recourse? Your only recourse is a credit card. Some people can't get a credit card. And yes, I understand about secured cards. Even secured cards can deny you. Regardless, extending credit, I don't think it's the right answer just to be able to transact, rent a freaking car. I don't think that's the right answer in my personal opinion. I digress. I am simply saying for me, I'm opposed to the CBDC only for the purposes of replacement of regular fiat currency. I believe regular fiat currency should always be accepted. I believe it should be required to accept it in all of its forms, paper or otherwise. I don't mind a CBDC as an additional or an optimized or an enhanced way of communicating between banks. So in other words, the consumer never sees it. They don't care. Maybe you use it as a store of value indicator for the banks because right now that's done by a very tedious legacy system in most cases. So maybe you use that as to indicate here's how much asset, fiat asset, the bank holds on hand. I'd be cool with that. Or maybe you use it to indicate how much fiat asset is allocated to different banks so you can keep better track of it. Because one thing right now, as the Federal Reserve is printing, 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 you know, you have to keep track of bank inventory, you have to keep track of issuance, you have to keep track of what's in the ATMs, so you got to keep track of 
all these different elements. And then don't talk about petty cash and all these other pieces. You have to keep track of all this data and it's a pain for these accounting firms. So maybe CBDCs can be used in some way to facilitate that process of tracking assets where they would be, even though there's ultimately it's a fiat-based situation. I'd be okay with that. It feels like some, some people in government are just wanting CBDC so they can go all in and again, lock down your assets because as I noticed the side that's really supportive of going all in on CBDC, it's the Democrat side. The Republican side is completely against it. Do you know why? Because the Republican side understands greed is how they're going to get more tax money out of people. I'm being honest, that's what it is. And if you go CBDC, you're doing the opposite. You're saying you want control over who has how much wealth. You want to be able to dictate how much wealth that a certain person or a segment of people can have. That should frighten people, but that's really what they want to do. They guise it as anti-innovation. It's not anti-innovation. I don't. Again, I don't think anybody's against having it as an option, and I don't think anybody's against using it at the bank level. I do think that fiat, at the end of the day, should remain in our society as what it is. And if we're going to do this kind of a technology approach, we should use it to optimize the way we use fiat. And I still, I still think, long term, this is going to cause. I don't want to say a civil war because that's extreme, but I do think that it's going to cause kind of a battle when we get down to the presidential elections. And it's going to be interesting to see what that turns out being. All I can say for everybody out there, I, I have my stance and I, I'm a technologist, right? I work in technology for a living. So it's not like I'm anti-technology. I'm not. I work in technology for a living. That's why I'm so opposed to having technology start taking over because that's not what it's for. Technology is to serve people. People should be in constant control. That control is being taken away. Time and time again, we see this. And I don't want to see that. And I do think time is going to tell whether I'm right or wrong about the approach, whether the approach is appropriate. This bill, if it happens to go forward and we can lock this down and we can get back to some reality and how about fix our existing economy? That'd be nice. Before we start talking about trying to change the way the currency works and locking stuff away and then the presidential election is going to tell us a lot, too. Just for a side note, we don't really have a candidate that's full cryptocurrency supportive. We have candidates that support Bitcoin. We don't really have any candidates that support full cryptocurrency. Do you know why that is? The reason is because they don't fully understand it. They don't fully understand the diversity or the scale with respect to cryptocurrency in all of its forms. They only understand Bitcoin because of what they heard. That's not a bad thing. But it's something to be mindful of when you choose which candidate you're going to support.